This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, November the 28th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And uh, check out our friends over at the fan sided podcasting network as well as our good friends over at risingapple.com and i am happy to bring you hour two as promised you guys may be still listening to hour one as we went into the black friday shopping spree tweet gate and the starting pitching market another week in mets land but i'm happy to bring you hour two my first ever talking mets panel before i introduce the panelists who are a great group of diverse mets fans from different generations and different continents. What other Mets show could bring somebody from South America and across the pond over in the UK, but the Talking Mets podcast. We even got someone from Jersey, our friend Anthony Rivera, somebody to Shea. So we've got it all covered. We should have got somebody from New York City, but I grew up in Brooklyn, so I'll count myself, even though I'm out on Long Island. So uh, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to introduce our panel. And really what we're going to talk about is some of the things that have been going on in Mets land and get the voice of those who listen to the Talking Mets podcast. You guys are tired of hearing from me. I get tons of emails. I don't like your guests. Could you get another guest on there? I get all those things. I said, you know what? Let's hand it to the fans. I'm going to take a bad back seat and host, and uh, I'll kick it off our first panel guest, Baseball and Barbecue. Big fan of the show. Always sending me emails. Love interacting with him over, uh, you know, at the Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com email address, Jeff Cohen. Jeff, welcome to the program. How you doing, man? Baseball and barbecue. Let the listeners know a little bit about what you do out there. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mike. This is a great honor to be on your show. I, I've been a fan of, for many, many years. I'm going to cancel you for saying that, by the way. You canceled. <laughs> you're done. Uh-oh. Uh, baseball and barbecue. I host with a, a buddy of mine, Len Aberman, and we take the best of both worlds, both baseball and barbecue, and sometimes they even interact. I would say we had on uh, Howard Johnson from Met perspective. He's a big barbecue guy as well. So it was great to have his perspective. And even though we're not a, a Met show per se, we've had on several Met guests, uh, which maybe your listeners would like to listen to. We had Ed Crane on. We had Mackie Sasser, Bobby Valentine. Bobby uh, V. Bobby V, Ron Fiboda. And uh, so, yeah, we had a, And recently we've been trying to get uh, some traction to get Gil Hodges into Hall of Fame. So we've had those those up there on our baseball and barbecue uh, Twitter and our webpage. So please take a look. Listen, we're in a great time where you don't have to be part of a major publication to put out great content. And Jeff puts out great content. And by the way, it's not barbecue weather today. It's a little nippy out there. But I may ask you how to I was almost about to barbecue or put the turkey on the barbecue on Thanksgiving. I was going to pull you up and say, how do I do it? So <laughs> fortunately, we're able to figure it out. Liam over from the UK. Liam has been on the show. He has been like the pioneer. Somehow, you know, when history is written 100 years from now and they knock down the statue of the Talking Mets podcast because they hate it, they will say he pioneered Mets fandom in the UK. So Liam is here. Welcome back, Liam. How are you? I'm fine, thank on? you. 
Yeah, everything's good. Um, you're saying about it not being barbecue weather there. I don't know if I could move my laptop enough to show you, but it's we have a little snow. bit of snow, huh? Look at yeah. that. We have uh, uh, snow on the ground, but other than that, you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. Liam, uh, for those who didn't listen to the earlier in the season show, uh, I believe you got your Mets fandom started by going to a game in 2019. Was yep. it the Nats series in August? I have the tickets up there. It's the Cardinals series. Cardinal, ah, the Cardinals yep. series. Yep. Tough series, if I remember correctly, a lot of tough, heartbreaking losses. And one win where Jeff McNeil threw someone out at home plate. Weird that I remember that series. That was an odd series, I remember. A lot of a lot of a lot of stuff happened at that point and everything like that. So it was uh it was rained out, and I remember um going to the the game the game that wasn't rained out, and there was a guy that stopped me on the street and he was like, Oh, did you see you know what happened last night? And I was speaking to him about it and he, he stopped me and he went, Wait, 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 wait. You're Scottish. Why? Why are you speaking to me about the Mets? Like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> I remember that Pete Alonso got in trouble because he he encouraged the umps to play instead of calling yeah. the game. I remember that very. You know, only in that weird twenty nine season twenty nineteen season would that happen. Anthony Rivera. Anthony is part of the fan sided uh, crew over at RisingApple.com. Subway to Shay, great podcast. By the way, has the best microphones. When I've talked to him, every time, like, how do you do it? <laughs> And I've been doing radio like 15, 16 years. I even think to the old WGBB, his microphones are the best. So he's going to sound better than even me. So I'm going to run out to Best Buy after this. But Anthony, welcome to the program. We'll give the listeners an idea about what you got going on. You got a lot going on over there. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's exciting to be here. Thanks for uh, having me be a part of this panel. Uh, yeah, I got the Subway to Shea podcast, which I do, you know, once a week. I try to, you know, get it in a timely fashion now that they're, things going on you know got to be a lot more aware of what's going on um i also do like a twitter spaces i don't know if you, that's something you should uh definitely I try saw out that so talk a little bit about that i saw someone called us and actually i don't know if they're i'll give them a plug and i'm gonna be careful here because i don't know like plugging rumor sites that i don't know but it's called mlb nerds and they've actually got info that i know is accurate and they've been in on the kevin gosman talks and I know a little bit about those talks. I'm not an insider, but I saw some stuff they tweet. I'm like, hmm, but, but they're using a Gosman space. So talk about the space. What is what is the Twitter space entail? Yeah, so it's kind of like actually trying to have a radio show. You know, you have people that can listen in and if they want to chime in, they request and you can put them through and you just have conversations. And it's good to it's good to speak with all those people on Twitter that you're usually, you know, just tweeting with and, and get their thoughts, kind of like what we're doing right here. And uh, it's a very, uh, very interesting, you know, way to expand on, uh, you know, social media and just expand on, you know, fandom with with other New York Mets fans out there. Uh, I've enjoyed I did a couple already. I did one when the Mets made all those signings. I got on at like, you know, 1245 in the morning. Yeah. We did it until like 2 a.m. And, you know, people were coming on expressing their opinions on what they thought of the deals. So it's pretty cool. It's something I would definitely suggest trying out. Um, I usually wait until if there's a signing or something and, uh, or something big happens and, and I'll, you know, just go on there and do that. And then besides that, like you said before, I, you know, I've been writing for writing Apple since the beginning of October. So, you know, I have a couple of articles out on there if you want to check out and read. Very good. And I'll tell you what, I'm feeling old because Anthony was up for the Starling Marte signing. Truth be told, guys, I didn't get it till the next morning. And I was like, I mean, cause I, I Mark Canna, 
you know, you're six hours ahead, Liam. So you 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 got it probably before everybody, I, right? I, I, well, I was trapped in Edinburgh. Uh, the, the winds have trapped me in uh, in 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 Glasgow. Sorry. Uh, so I got that as they were told the trains to Edinburgh were shut down, and I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. You know, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So I, I got it the next morning. Haven't done one of those in a long time. Usually, either when the winter meetings are in Vegas. Or I remember, look, I'm going to date myself. I'm only going to be, I'm 40, I'm 44, I'm going to be 45. But back in the day, you always had to get up and run to get the newspaper. And I always remember getting the newspaper and saying, wow, the Mets signed Bobby Bonilla. Wow, the Mets signed Brett Sabreg and things like that. Or trade for Brett Sabreg. So, and look, our elder statesman of the panel is next. And he's from South, well, he's from New York, but he's down in South America. You guys may remember he came on right after that wild Mets-Phillies ESPN game this year. The home run that wasn't a home run with Reese Hoskins. And then he came on and we talked a little bit. I think we talked a little bit about the rat and the raccoon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh No, no. Donnie Stevenson. It was Donnie Stevenson. That was it. Not the rat and the raccoon. There's so much controversy. They're all like muddling up over here. Uh, Medellin Mets. Is Medellin? No, Medellin Mets. Medellin Mets fan. Got to say it right. Don't say it like they said in Entourage, right? It's Medellin. Exactly. Medellin Mets fan. Double L is J, right? You know Double L is J. Medellin Mets fan. What do you got? So, so Richard, give the uh, the listeners an idea, and then we'll get into the big topics of the day here. What do they got? What well, do they got for you? Know, you know, what do I got? I, not, not a whole lot. I and mean, I think everything everything's kind of falling into place. I, I the, the probably the the topic for me right now is um, the Steve Cohen dynamic. Mike, I tell you this, I, I see George. And, and I don't think it's necessarily that, it, that it's the owner. I think it's the position of boss. It's not about being the owner. It's about being the boss, right? Having, having the players up for dinner, same thing George used to do. Always going back and forth. You can't win. You cannot win that battle. You know, I, the, the thing I sent you, I sent a couple people. The, the tone that we see right now, we say, oh, it's not fair. Oh, it's too harsh. Oh, it's, you're killing these guys. Mike. It was way worse in the 80s. I think yep. just oh, yeah. I, and I what Richard just... is referring to is a clip. And I wish those old WFA interviews were available more widely. But it was George Steimer and I think, 1990, right before 1991. he got suspended. 1991 right? with Mike and the Mad Dog. Different wor- world in media and whatnot. And look, Richard kind of opened it up. He's going to start there. And I'll go to you, Anthony. I mean, the Steve Cohen dynamic has been interesting because – it's been a honeymoon of epic proportions last year. Then Jared Porter text messages came out. And since then, it's been a steady, no Bauer, no Springer, um, 90 days or 100 days in first place. And then the tweets about the offense and all the other stuff. And I feel like there's been this wave of negativity now for the better part of a calendar year. And then the Stephen Matz tweet gate, which I laugh about because, well, Really, Cohen got used, and welcome to the big league, Steve Cohen. Yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is I, I, Todd Zeal said it best on, on Baseball Night in New York, money is going to be the first thing. And I think the players don't care about this social media stuff like we do and maybe the, in the, certainly the mainstream media. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the whole Cohen dynamic and Richard putting out there and Steinbrenner and the relationship? Do you like it or are you more in the, the camp of, you know, this is a little bit much? No, I don't mind him tweeting or any of that whatsoever. I mean, we've, I've been a Mets fan since 1998, like pre Mike Piazza, just before they brought him in and dealing with the Will Ponds, not getting answers from them. Even when the season's over, we wouldn't get like any answers from them at all. And, and hearing Jeff talk, which, you know, maybe it's better off that he never spoke anyway. 
because uh, his, you know, his intelligence when it comes to baseball, you know, his baseball acumen really wasn't great at all. So hearing from Steve, Steve is just like us. He's a fan, you know, besides being an owner, he's a fan of the game. He's a fan of the team. So I don't mind hearing from him at all. I'm actually surprised that he got all worked up over Steven Matz. I, I feel like we dodged a bullet there. I mean, I would not have given him four years, 44 million. I would not have given Noah Syndergaard as much as I loved him being on the Mets. I was not giving him over $21 million after only, I mean, he basically didn't pitch for two years coming off of Tommy John surgery. The only deal that, you know, may a little bit frustrate me is the Aaron loop, how he just left so quickly, but you know, relievers are a dime a dozen. They change every single year. Uh, He's not going to replicate what he did this past year. He's not going to replicate that again. He may be, good but he's not going to be what he was last year and he's not going to produce that in anaheim that's for sure jeff you you wanted to jump in on that yeah on the aaron loop thing i know uh mitch twitter went really crazy uh but but anthony's right uh, we believe are fickle there's no way he's going to uh, duplicate another 0.95 era for the for the year and that was a lot of money to give up for basically a one inning pitcher you know 17 million dollars that, that's a hell of a lot we want cohen to spend the money but we want him to spend it smartly. And when Loop reverts to over a three or four ERA, I think the team has really dodged a bullet. I don't think he's ever going to replicate what he is. He's going to be what the back of his baseball card says, which is a, a four ERA pitcher. I think we all have to realize, and I said this in the early edition of the program, if you want to compete now, and this is, you know, the Mets fans are so lucky Steve Cohen's the owner because Perfect. under the prior ownership, knowing the cash flow issues, we'd be facing, a, uh, the, we'd be talking about a rebuild right now. And whether you're going to keep Jacob DeGrom and whatnot, there'd be nothing. They need to, to spend $100 million to compete next year. They've already spent, I'm talking about AAV, one year. They've already spent about 40-something million. So you look at, at Loop and whatnot, uh, I think sometimes we fall in love. And, and in the past, I think a, a move with the prior ownership would be get the guys that you're guaranteed to get that want to be here, overpay, and then figure out the rest. And then now you got a really expensive reliever who's good. But he's lefty, and you could probably get other lefties out. Let's face it, with analytics now and whatnot, compared to 15 years ago, we all could agree he's over-indexed. But, Jeff, while I have you, you know, you're a longtime Mets fan. You, you're a guy that's talking about Ron Swoboda and Ed Cranepool and, and Gil Hodges, a different era. And I've always said and uh, the Mets fans like superstars, but they don't like page six superstars. Mike Piazza was a blue-collar and, and he's been on this program, and I can tell you, and having him on the program, he's about as you know down-to-earth of a superstar as you're going to see out there. He's not A-Rod. He's not Jeter. He's not like you know Carmelo Anthony or these guys in another stratosphere, another sport. How do you feel? Because you're going to have a guy that clearly wants Wall Street at the ballpark, wants the Mets to be a destination. You know, is it a world where flash and, and, and ego is a big part of that world? Now you have the resources with Cohen, but I have a feeling that that other stuff comes with it. Uh-huh. How do you feel about that, Jeff? Because a lot of longtime Mets fans, I think, are going to have a, a hard time adjusting because this is a team rooted in blue collar, uh, you know, New Yorkers and Long Islanders that 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 migrated to, from from the boroughs, old Brooklyn Dodger family, not the Yankee legacy. It's interesting. Oh, oh, oh definitely. You know, my, my Mets fans—they love their homegrown guys. 
Syndergaard, that's why it hurts so much to see Syndergaard go. And I know it's, the smart thing was to, to let him go. There was no way we could resign him at that, that, that money for, for pitching two innings over two years. And, and he's going to be limited next year anyway for what, 135, 140 innings. He's not going to be a, a, a big-time pitcher next year. But they love their homegrown guys. And that's why we felt the hurt that he just, you know, he said he wanted to be here and, and he left. But you're right. We're going to have, uh, we're going to get more flashy guys. We're going to get the, the high paid guys, the page six guys. I mean, Lindor was a, a major, major signing, probably an overpay, which set the market for this year. I mean, now, now these shortstops going to get $30 million a year, and, uh, which is really an overpay. What they should have done last year is let, let them play out. And then you have a flood of market and you have to pick your litter. But be that as it may. Uh, like I said, I, I think the Mets really love their homegrown players. They love the uh, Jeff McNeil, which I think he might be on his way out. Uh, he, he might be on his way out. Tom Smith, same thing. But, the, you know, you got to improve. You, most of all, you want a winning team. And if it comes with, you know, bringing new pitchers in, new, new players, that's that's bottom line. Liam, our friend, uh, my friend, and I think you guys all know him, Howard Megdell, who writes for Forbes, wrote a great book, The Baseball Talmud. I think he's got another version coming out. So anybody, whether you're of the Jewish faith or not, should check it out. It's really good. And he also wrote Wilpon's Folly, which really outlined and was an early adopter of the issues financially the Mets had in the face of not so much reporting. One of the things he compared uh, over the holiday weekend at Forbes was and I'm bringing you up because I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but you're across the pond, Manchester United, and oh. how they were in a similar situation to the Mets, and they kind of had some issues with attracting talent. Now they're this behemoth. They're this brand. And maybe you, if, and, and I, I don't want to just assume because you're in England, that UK, that you're a soccer fan, but I got to think you're exposed to sports, at least in some way to that. What do you think about that? Because I thought that was an interesting comparison. Not so much the Dodgers. He was comparing the Mets to a soccer team that went through financial issues themselves. I, I mean, if we can be anything like what my understanding of Manchester United is, that would be amazing. But with that, there was obviously the couple of years of hardship. And I understand, you know, like, Anthony was a Mets fan since the year I was born. Do you know what I mean? I, I was born in 98, you know, like... Now you're making me feel old, because yeah, yeah, in 98, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was... Anthony becomes a Mets fan in 98, you're born in 98... Yeah, and I'm in college hoping that the Mets resign Piazza in '98. Yep. Jeez, like I'm dating myself here, but go yeah. ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. So, so, so you know, I understand Mets fans definitely have that. No, like chip on their shoulder with the hardships they've been through, especially with the Will Ponds. And you know, Steve Cohen comes in is supposed to alleviate that, and but that's just the first step. You know, like everyone knows, uh, it's it's the old adage that baseball is a game of inches, right? But so is being like uh, so is like being a fan of baseball and having to deal with the fact your team may not take large steps and bounds they might be little by little and that may start with bringing Francisco Lindor in and really you wish you didn't have Steve Cohen tweeting about getting used by Stephen Matt's agent and all that stuff that's already been spoken about but I'm sure Manchester United had, had the same thing like I remember they went on a historic run uh, what two years or so ago and they're still like you say just a behemoth they are just winning whenever they can they're attracting talent and if you really want to think of it positively the Mets are already doing that the Wilpons Mets wouldn't have got Francisco Lindor they wouldn't have got they had the opportunity to get Starling Marte when he left Pittsburgh but didn't and honestly I've said I said this it might not have been to you Mike but we should have gotten then 
I wanted Starling Marty when he left Pittsburgh, never mind him going to Arizona and then Miami and then Oakland. Is that is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's nodding. Love it. Um, you know, rather than that, he could have just been the Mets center fielder. We would have moved, you know, Nemo to left or right or, you know, whatever. We'll figure that issue out, you know, currently. But, you know, it, we have to go through the hardships. And I understand Mets fans have definitely been through enough hardships as is. But, you know, everything doesn't come to you just because you've now got the cash flow. Well, it's interesting because that ties in what I'm going to say and I'll bring to you, Richard. I'm trying to look at, and I see this coming. So the Mets are playing checkbook baseball. They have no other way but to win to play checkbook baseball. The young players are not ready yet. They're trying to build up the farm system. And I'm trying to go back in Mets history. So anything prior to 1991, free agency in Mets land, Frank Cashman didn't believe in it. It was very minimal part of the sports landscape. 91, 92, 93, that's when free agency in baseball specifically went crazy. Think about it. In the NFL, the NBA, you know, you see what goes on now. That didn't exist. There wasn't this crazy offseason that we see now. The only other time I see the Mets in this position was maybe that offseason where we go into the worst team money can buy where they signed Bonilla, they signed Eddie Murray, they uh-huh. traded for Say Megan. I think they had the top payroll or maybe number two, believe it or not, the Oakland A's were one of the top payroll teams back uh-huh. then. Different world we lived in. And this is going to probably be looked at as a bad thing. I could see it right now. The narrative is going to be the Mets are spending. You don't spend your way to a championship. Everybody wants to be the Astros. Everybody wants to be the Cubs. Everybody wants to have the Yankee process. But let's remember, the 96 Yankees were built, yes, they had young players like Jeter, but a lot of imports there, Cecil Fielder and uh, Tino Martinez and uh, Scott Brocious came later on and whatnot and and, and so on. That was more of a a team that was built cone on free agencies and trades. The Diamondbacks championship team was not a farm homegrown team. They were imports. Two pitchers. pitchers. Right, two pitchers. Nobody takes away those championships. If the Mets are successful, do you feel less of a connection because of the checkbook baseball? No. Does it bother no. you? Uh, no. Talk about that. Not, not at all. And, you know, a couple of things here. And I think this all plays into everything that's going on. You are now, the Yankees is the comparison, or the Dodgers, okay? Because you are now without a, you don't have a budget anymore, okay? You don't really have a budget. You're printing, like the government, printing their own money. So that then drives these expectations. Every time we failed on a deal here, it got more intense. They got more intense, right? You hear from Cohen because this thing to win, when you have the cash to do it, you think, great, we have the cash, but you still have to be able to use the cash and use the cash correctly while being driven more intensely. Can I tell you something? The Yankees have been the Yankees since 1920, 1923, really. That's what I want to be. I, I, this is my 50th season. There you go. The 50th season and... Uh, Here, Liam, Liam, can I ask Liam a question? Liam, yeah, you yeah. know this. Everyone hates the Yankees because we're considered to be the biggest and the strongest. And when you're not part of that, you hate that. That's yeah. why Mets fans hate Yankees, the Yankees so much. So yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I've i met people from different states in America. I, I went out drinking with a girl from Colorado and she, her, her dad's a Rockies and Red Sox fan. And she was telling me, you know, they hate the Yankees and like it's inbuilt into their children to hate the Yankees. And, 
you know, they're the biggest, and the, they are the biggest. They are the champ. Everyone hates the big guy. Everyone hates IBM, right? And so mm-hmm. they're always with the biggest one is the one that people hate. But you know what? As a fan, it's going to be the greatest thing ever because you are in every deal. You are in every. Oh, I think Richard got. I think Richard got uh, uh, cut off over there. Can, can, can I? Years. Okay. Go ahead, Liam. Go ahead, Liam. Sorry, I was just to say, can I, can I add on to what Rich is already saying? Like, I, I feel the same way about the Dodgers, though. Like, you know, I, I've been a Mets fan since 2019. It's, it's, it's a bit different from you guys. Mm-hmm. I feel the same about the Dodgers. I, I hate the fact that they are in on every deal, that they are, like, constantly in contention. And people are like, oh, don't discount the Dodgers. Don't, and I want us to be that, though. Like, I, I hate that when I'm not in there, like you're saying, but I want that to be the Mets. One thing about the Dodgers, I think, I think people underrate the franchise because they have not had the postseason success that, uh, that the Yankees or the Cardinals have had. Go look at the Dodgers. They're there every year, and they're there because of the farm system. What they've done now is use the farm system and the additional revenues because, you know, Mike, you were talking about free agency. When we signed George Foster in 82, 81, it was $2 million, five-year contract, $2 million a year. But Dave Winfield, the one they always talk about with the Yankees, 10 years, $10 million. It's just the money. You know, the, the money has it, it's changed the game so much. Why does a player, you're talking about this go, 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 Gus Guzman, is he coming to New York for an extra $10 million? I wouldn't if I was him. I would, I would go where I wanted to you go. You know, and that's an interesting, that's an interesting topic. And, 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 I'll, and I'll, I'll go to my next and I'll go to Anthony here. You know, John Feinstein just tweeted something out about 15 minutes ago. And he's right, but he's wrong. So John Feinstein, the, the great author, the Mets aren't afraid to spend money. That's a good thing. But committing $125 million to three good, not great players all in their 30s doesn't excite all me. All their 30s. As I know, it excites some people now. A couple of things. One, they're component players on two-year deals for the most part. And, you know, again, to do $100 million to fill the competitive team, you need component players. That's the inflation of, of what's going on. Uh, what are you seeing as, I mean, as far as the offseason plan, is this the direction that you thought, um, you know, what, what would you like to see? You know, you're coming from a different generation now. You're a Mets fan since 98. Maybe free agency doesn't bother you to the same that you know, a Feinstein or a Richard or a Jeff does who grew up in more of a homegrown player state. Um, curious your thoughts, because you're of a different generation where, you know, you could go either way with free agency and process and analytics and whatnot. I think the advantage that Mets fans have over like the media or, you know, a guy like John Feinstein is that they, they you know, they do their, uh, I, I feel like they do more of an in-depth research on, on, you know, what we need, uh, what is the process, not only for the major league team, but the minor league team. Uh, A lot of people, Chris Bryant this, Chris Bryant that. I was thinking to myself, you know what? What if they go after an Eduardo Escobar for a short-term deal? Because guess what? Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, they're on their way. We can't block these kids, and we can't put them like in the past, in like the Wilpon era, where these guys are playing out of position. I don't want that anymore. I don't want my third baseman playing in right field. I want him to play third base. You know, I want my, you know, I don't want my, uh, I don't want Dom Smith out there in left field. He's either going to have to play first base, DH, or they're going to have to trade him. Like, I, I, I want people in their positions playing the right positions. That's why 
getting a uh, Mark Canna only for two years. I don't think that's such a bad deal. The Mets need depth. They can't put superstars everywhere. There, there has to be, you know, consistency all around. This is this to me is the biggest year for Steve Cohen. I know it's only his second year, but they have to not only spend, but they have to spend wisely, right? They can't get every, you know, superstar that's out there. They have to build the depth within the major league team. And now they have the opportunity with possibly six draft picks. I'm not giving up any of those. If we're going to have all those six, six draft picks, I want to use those to replenish the farm system, which we saw last year was hurt because of all the injuries. All these guys that we brought up weren't ready. The Tyler McGill's, even David Peterson a year ago, those guys to me, those are depth pieces in the minor leagues, and that's where they should be. So if he spends without giving up a qualifying offer, because I wouldn't do that this year, you know, I, I would give up a qualifying offer when the team is one player away from maybe possibly getting to a World Series. I'm not going to give it up this year. They have too many needs. So I don't mind the strategy that they're going off with. I thought Escobar was a good move. Yeah, maybe he's not the best option at third base, but it's only for a couple of years to bridge the gap for Brett Beatty or Mark Vientos. The same way James McCann was brought in for, to be here for only for three years so that they can go to Francisco Alvarez. There's, there is logic and strategy behind this whole thing. It's not buy, buy, buy everything. So I, I don't mind what they're doing. Even the Starling Marte move, you're putting him at center field, right? Now we get to move Brandon Nimmo out of that position, which I don't think he, as much as he did well last year at center field and improving himself, he belongs in a corner spot. His injury background and, and having to, you know, be the guy manning that center field, I don't think that helps him injury-wise. And seeing him now in a corner spot, even better. And then you put those two at the top of the lineup. Now you got speed in Starling Marte. If they bring back Javier Baez, he's another speed guy. Those guys we need because, you know, last year we couldn't score runs. And a lot of it was because we didn't have speed. A lot of it was because of the third base coach. So there, there are a lot of dynamics into putting this team together, not just, you know, signing everybody. Jeff, you have some thoughts. Yeah, and I with Anthony spot on. Escobar and Kana is, uh, is great signings. Two years, short-term deals. And, you know, we have to wait for these guys, Mark Vientos and Britt Beatty, to come along. But I want to make a point. How come the media, all of a sudden, they, they, not all of a sudden, I should say. I mean, I think Joel Sherman put out today that these are risky deals. When did 32, 33 become old in baseball? I mean, these guys for, 30, for 32, 33 years old for two years, that's a pretty good, you know. Pretty I good don't think there's a bad two-year deal. I'll make a controversial statement. I agree. I don't think Jed Lowry's deal was bad. It yeah, turned out bad because out. maybe it hampered other moves under the prior ownership. <laughs> but it's not like you signed him for five years and um, there was a lot of other issues there. I don't think you could do a bad two-year deal. You certainly could do a bad six-year deal. And you can do a bad three-year deal, uh, like I said this morning, and you guys probably haven't heard it yet. Uh, Max Scherzer, to me, would be very risky outside of a one-year deal. guy who's had some shoulder issues. A guy that's not necessarily giving you 35 starts anymore. A guy that couldn't go five innings in a postseason. There's a lot of red flags there. He's going to want a three-year deal. Uh, Javi Baez could be a risk at a six or seven year deal. Uh, I would like to have everybody go five years on hitters, three years on pitchers, but then I wouldn't sign anybody. So I don't think my point is, I don't think that there's a bad two year deal. And Jeff, while I have you, 
uh, go on to the bias situation. Uh, I'm curious. I've, I don't want to say I've fallen in love with Javi Baez. That's not not true. I like his oh, monster. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like I like what he's brought to the table. I really liked how he took on a Yankee dugout. I mean, maybe because it's the Yankees, but I would have liked that no matter what. Look, I grew up watching the '90s Knicks. I have a DNA of of a certain type of player, a certain type of coach that's always going to exist with me, even though my value system in sports has to evolve because sports has changed. Uh, Javi Baez on a five-year deal. If it means you have to lower your starting pitching expectation from Scherzer, maybe you could still get Gosman. Maybe you could still get Gray. Sure, you can. You could probably still probably play in the Stroman market. We'll get to him. Javi Baez, I really think the offense, I like what they've done. I'm okay with walking away from Conforto. But I don't know if the offense, even though I like McNeil, and I think McNeil needs to prove himself a little bit over again, and out of all the down-year guys, I think he's the one that I have the most faith in. I'd like to have that star kind of with Lindor as that hub. And I know you're putting all your chips to the Lindor Baez camp, and it's risky, but I think it's worth it. While I have you, Jeff, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm iffy on Baez. I know he's a dynamic player. He brings that with, you know, in quotes, swagger. He's Lindor's best friend. And I think that Cohen's going to listen to Lindor a lot. He's a lot invested in him. The thing that biases brings speed, but he, the thing that bothers me is strikes out too much. And I was at a game one time, and he uh, tried to score from second base, and he didn't even know where the ball was, and he, he was doubled off on, on a on a fly ball. He, he just, I mean, he does bring speed. He does bring that dynamic. I'm, I'm kind of if I would I would bring him back uh, because I think he'd be, he'd help Lindor, and if Lindor's help happy, that's a good thing for everybody. Liam, you had something to add? You were jumping in? Yeah, no, it was just to add on to what both Anthony and Jeff have said. I mean, the, the Mark Canna signing, uh, Canna's really, I hope this isn't a bad word on the podcast, but underrated. Like, uh, he, he is an on-base machine. He is not quite up there with Nemo, but he is quite close. Like, having them two in the lineup, even if he DHs or if he's in left, whatever, that's that's a good thing for the lineup. And to add on to the Javi Baez stuff, that that's just unfortunately the Javi Baez experience I have a friend who is like a raised a Cubs fan you know like when Javi got traded to us she, she was heartbroken but you know there was all these mess fans complaining oh he strikes you know he strikes out too much and you know he had that sort of great game and then he had a slump and then he comes back and he's drawing more walks and who knows if that's Lindor's influence or not but if he's about to keep that up I would say he he's worth you know the, the five year deal you mentioned and like to have Kana Nemo and then the speed of Marte adding on to Lindor and Baez and then if he's you know rolling like he can Pete Alonso that's that's a scary lineup it's no you know Yankees murderers row but it's still a scary lineup for pretty much any pitcher and the only pitcher that I reckon could deal with that pretty handily is on our side of the staff so nice. you know I I feel like it's maybe worth that five year deal. Richard, I'm going to give you a comparison, an NBA comparison. Javi Baez, little John Starks in him. No, Javi Baez, much better player. Much Baez, better player, but that, superstar. but that, he's love him. Much better player, but yep. he does things like Jeff said that you're like, ah, you know, you want to, you know, you know who he is. He's the guy. What's the guy who I played soccer with him at at uh, at, at Chelsea? Uh, but he's the coach now for the Clippers. Um, the point oh. guard. The, from oh. the, the Suns, he's that oh. guy. He's oh, that right. guy. Tough. Right. Uh, or, or I, you know, um, I hate Isaiah Thomas, but Isaiah Thomas is a tough guy. I think that Bias is a superstar. 
You know, guys. Tyrone Liu you're talking about. Last, uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the coach. Um, white kid was point guard uh, for the Suns. Oh, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Steve Nash. That's right. Steve Nash. So, um, Javi Baez is a superstar. Javi Baez is a player that, that he, he wins games for you. He literally does. He's not a speed player. He, he's got speed. He's not a base stealer. Marte, the, prob- the only problem I have with Marte, and we talked about this last year with Springer at 29 years old. If Marte pulls a quad in spring training, it's August, okay? Now, I'm not hoping he does. I don't want to jinx you. I'm just telling you the downside of that trade is if he goes, gets up, starts to get these injuries now, it's not the money. It's the availability. Anthony, you had something to add to that? Yeah, I think with uh, Marte, I think that's – I mean, I, it, right, that's with any baseball player you sign. There's always the risk of injuries that we're taking. That's going to be – you know, that's happening anytime. But I think the difference between him and a George Springer is that they were talking about George Springer moving out of center field within a year or two, and we needed a center fielder. And, you know, thinking up the middle is – defensively is what I've been wanting for a while. You have McCann. Not the greatest offensive player. Big upgrade over what Wilson Ramos provided for us. I I thought way better at uh, uh, catcher. I know he kind of, you know, he kind of lost it for a while. But, you know, if if they, you know, play to his abilities and kind of bring Nito in there more, I think the two of them together, you know, splitting time is what's best moving forward. And then if you have Baez at second and you have Lindor at short, we saw what they can do together while they're on the field. And then you got Marte in center field. Up the middle will be ecstatic if you have Very all important. those players. You saw that there. you saw, I think, a guy Ooh. like Loop that you guys mentioned earlier was helped by that deal. Like, how many times with Loop there'd be a ground ball up the middle that you thought was a base hit and be a double play? Right. There you go. Richard, well, you had some help by that. Yeah, my, my point on it is, is this. When, when we talk about trades coming back to get us, Doing things or, or things that, that end up battling. It's always when you do it and take a risk, it, it, right? I mean, it's that's just life. Right. That's what it is. I like this player. I actually really like this player. But when he's 33 years old, we know that we know how it works. And look at how, how the soft tissue stuff went last year. One other thing about defense up the middle, it's completely changed because the middle is not open anymore. Now your defense, it, you, 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 you see the difference in the defense. It is Something. Give analytics the, the credit. What they came up with, they have. What has happened to the game is putting that player behind second base because hitters cannot go up the middle anymore, especially with two strikes. That's why they're striking out. That's yep. a lot of what's going on. And I think that um, you know, I don't. Th- I don't want to put rules. Richard froze on us. Let's see if we get him back. Did we get him back? It up. You got there a great is. defense up the middle. It's really fantastic. The best Let me bring up. Let me bring up another controversial topic. We brought up Javi Baez. I think we got relative agreement on this. When we go into the starting pitching situation, you got Max Scherzer, who I, I think is a huge risk. I outlined that on the show. You've got Gosman, you got Robbie Ray. Both are, you know, guys that could be Zach Wheeler 2.0. Both are guys that could be Jeff Smarge. I could see those guys being really bad deals. And then you got the guy that's tweeting a lot that we know from Long Island, tweeting about his repertoire, which I agree with, by the way. He's a good bet to be healthy and he doesn't need velo tweeting about what the Mets want, you know, and he deleted that, he, you know, he's basically putting his, his players union guys out there and saying, you know, he's ruining their market a little bit. 
you know, tweeting about race, tweeting about politics, tweeting about everything. I don't care about the off the field stuff. He is who he is. He's got a right to his opinion. I don't want to cancel him. Um, I don't like seven year deals for pitchers. Uh, but I think you got to go look if Steven Matz is getting four years, guys like Gosman, guys like Ray, even Stroman might get five, six years at this point. I think Stroman is a good bet to stay healthy and be good, meaning league average or better throughout a five year deal. I'm not sure Gosman or Ray would be that. So, Jeff, I'll, I'll go to you here. Uh, thoughts on that, because I know that this guy, especially with the tweeting over the weekend, has really rankled up Mets fans, and it's a very polarizing topic. And oh, it's not about baseball normally, but I'm making it about baseball. Absolutely. I, I think they need to resign Stroman. I know the off-the-field stuff can be bothersome and antics is a headache. But you know what? He made every start last season. He keeps himself in great shape. I know he's only going to pitch five or six innings, but that's the way pitchers are going this year. He doesn't overthrow. He'll, he's going to last in, in, in the rotation. And I really was impressed that he made 30 starts. You know, five, six years in the contract, I, I guess that's not uh, terrible. I mean, he's only about 30 years old. Um, so, and he doesn't overthrow. He knows his body. He, he knows the way he, he can pitch. Now, uh, let me just say this about uh, DeGrom, because I was in Met Fantasy Camp, and I, I, I met uh, Dwight Gooden down there. And he was saying that, you know, he loves DeGrom, but he doesn't have to go maximum velocity all the time. And that's the one thing what Stroman does. He doesn't go back maximum velocity. He knows how to pitch. And I'm not saying DeGrom doesn't know how to pitch. He does know how to pitch. Obviously, great pitcher. Love him. But you don't have does... to throw 100 to get the pitcher out. You can exactly. dial it back. That's, exactly. You know, you don't have to throw a slider to get the pitcher out. You know, it looks cool and it's cute. Yeah. You know, it doesn't right. look that. Exactly. By the way, Mets Fantasy Camp, I, I was there in 2007, went one for 15, hurt my <laughs> oh. thumb, you know, because I, I hadn't used wooden bats in a while. Hammy's back. Great experience. Team lost in the finals for nothing. Hopefully you had a great time. That's a whole nother show you could do. Oh, fantasy camp. Yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, you had something you wanted to add on. that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It was just about Strowman, like uh, his tweeting situation and all that stuff. So, like you say, he is entitled to his own opinion and it could have been much worse. We could have got Bauer. Like yes. the thing is, <laughs> Strowman is, I, I, I follow him on Instagram. I, I buy his HDM, uh, HDMH stuff you know it's good gym gear <laughs> but like w- with that like he's just having his first kid he seems to be in a committed relationship he's happy with where he is yeah he sort of swaggers around yeah he knows like you know he's self-assured in himself but you would rather have that than the situation somebody that who's scared that's true yeah, it's, yeah than the situation that's going on in la like you know we ha- if, if you have like degrom which, you know, hopefully Cohen doesn't let DeGrom go away. He's not the next Tom Seaver, you know. There's not, he's not, DeGrom doesn't go away at the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever. You know, hopefully he's a Met for life, you know, uh, number retired, all the whole shebang with that, right? Um, and then with that, you know, then you get Gosman and Strowman. Steve has the money to do it, you know. Steve Cohen has the money to do it. I know he might not, and, you know, the CBA and the luxury tax, all that's going to be going down, but I feel like I would rather have Strowman and you know than Syndergaard. I would rather give him a deal. And Jeff just texted us all here on the program, basically saying, "Hey, it's funny how we all made a big deal about Cohen's tweets, but nobody's talking about Strowman." I mean, Strowman's touching uh, the third rail. You no, know, that's the problem. The pro- They're not going to the touch problem. the third rail on that. Look, go I, I got to tell you, I like, and I said this with, I know, I think you know, I looked some video on Canna. Canada does the bat flips. Canada's got some opinions on the world that people may not like. Um, Canada uh, has got some, you know, he got hit by a pitch 27 times. 
I, I know Nimmo gets hit by pitches. I think Nimmo doesn't get out of the way. Canna might be because he's a little demonstrative. Good. There is Good. nothing wrong with that. I think Stroman sometimes it seems manufactured. And I think mm-hmm. at times the Mets in 2021 20, were somewhat manufactured in there. They were very businesslike, you know, it was process, process. <laughs> and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Look, I didn't want to see Louis Ross get fired. Um, and baseball is a boring sport in the intricacies of the sands of time building up to this big thing, but you have to have some fun. And I could see when things got tough, they weren't having fun. It seems like they brought good clubhouse guys in, you know, Ken is a guy with some flair. Um, sometimes even Pete Alonso, I think is manufactured. Sometimes I think he could use, you know, uh, a, a little yin and yang, you know, Stroman to me. Um, and, and I think the part of this is they have a preference. They have Gosman, they have Robbie Ray, they have Stroman. Gosman to me may very well go to the West coast. I've heard he prefers the West coast. Seattle's on the West coast. So if they come anywhere near this, you know, I don't th- we may be having the same conversation by the, by Wednesday that we had last Wednesday, which is Mets got used for their money. Stroman's not out of it. And I almost feel like it'll be looked at as a downgrade or a disappointment. Everybody's got their board in the draft. You have your board and free agency. You have your board. Stroman to them is number three. I would probably have him. I'd love to see no Max Scherzer. I'd love to see Gosman and and Stroman. And I'm even okay with them signing Ray if it's a reasonable deal, even though they lose the draft pick because they got the draft pick from Syndergaard. I know that that's, you know, because you got to balance the future and the now. If they don't get Gosman and they don't get Ray, now you're betting on John Gray and Stroman. Maybe that brings you uh, Baez more likely. And it's not a bad rotation, but I think the upside, you know, Gosman and Ray have potential to be what Zach Wheeler is for the Phillies with DeGrom, which we're missing out on because the Mets weren't willing to take the chance. I was in that camp. So, um, you know, thoughts on that, Anthony, what are your thoughts on that? Any thoughts on, on what I just put out there? Yeah, I, for this deal that they're reportedly offering Gosman, I, I really do think that that should be for Stroman. He's pitched in New York and that's something that's very important if they can handle New York and he's proven on the field that he can handle pitching here. And I think that's very important. He's not only a really good pitcher, the guy can field his position. I mean, that's, that's pretty big to have someone who can field their position as well. I don't know too much about, you know, Gosman pre last year. I mean, he he's, this is that last year was his big year and that's, you know, the walk year. Right. So I giving him six to seven years, not knowing, you know, he could be the next Barry Zito who pitched very well in Oakland, went to San Francisco, another contract that turned out to be bad. uh, Yeah. A seven year contract, which the Mets were, you know, actually in on for a while. I think the longer this plays out with Gosman, the more I see him staying in the West Coast because, uh, you know, Cohen can offer you whatever money, you know, he wants. But if this guy really wants to play in the West Coast, he's going to stay there. And I don't think the money is going to matter as much for him. So I I thought that the priority should have been Stroman to just, you know, have that, you know, stability in the rotation. Uh, The the tweets, uh, I, I don't like the last couple of days of tweets. I don't like him downplaying other players to promote himself. Like he's saying that, Oh, he's going to be the pitcher that lasts until he's he's butting against other people's conversations. He's doing something that everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, you know, he's saying that, you know, Oh, the Mets are not showing, you know, the interest in me. They're looking at Ray and this guy and that guy. But in reality, 
when the Mets offer him a contract, and if they do, he's going to also field offers from other teams. So what's fair is fair to me in in the whole signing process. I'm not going to lose sleep over, you know, the Mets not talking to him at this moment. It doesn't mean that they, you know, they don't preference him at all. They're just trying to jump the game. Maybe they feel that, you know, Stroman's been on the team. You know, they'll give him the they'll give he'll give the Mets the benefit of the doubt to, you know, come back to him. So they want to try to see if they can jumpstart and get another pitcher as well. Just like these like moves that that Steve Cohen has been, you know, basically just, uh, you know, the media has no, you know, no idea that he was going to make these three signings that he did. And he just like right out of the blue, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, with the pitching that they're moving on to next, I, if they give Gosman this year, I hope it works out. I'm I'm very skeptical on that. Um, the pitchers are a lot of risk, guys. The uh, yeah, Arizito yeah. you brought up, Jeff Smarja, yep. Johnny yep. Cueto. Uh, now those guys got six, seven year deals. Maybe you could get away with five with some options, but for sure, Liam, you wanted to add to the conversation. Yeah, it was again to to add to Anthony. Um, it was just like on the point of sort of pictures and stuff like that. Like the, the Reds and the Oakland Athletics are all open to trades. Like we've spoken before about Dom Smith going. That's a great somewhere. point. If the Reds, it's the, expensive. That, yeah. That's true. But like if, for example, you know, the, the Oakland, they are looking to sort of rebuild or so. Say they trade away uh, Matt Olson. They need a first baseman. If we get Dom Smith and get one of their decent pitchers. That's, you know, another option or, you know, I, I don't want McNeil to go. I feel like McNeil will be. Richard, best. you don't want to trade. So you're changing. No, you don't I, want no, to trade no, any no, prospects. I'm, I'm saying you, you wouldn't be able to. Dallas Smith, Dallas Smith has no value right now. He's got no well, value. Not, not just Dom, but maybe, he, you know, he, like a Mark Viet. Here, here's, here's the things with, with, uh, going back to, to, um, 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 sorry, to the, to the, the Gaussman point. You have got to look at these players, right? And just like any free agency, you say, this is, this is where we see this player. This is the amount of years we're going to go. Once we get to that point, move on, and we're not, and you know why. This goes back to what we were talking about before with every time we don't get a deal, the pressure goes up to make another deal because we've got this money. we got to burn through this money. You start to make mistakes of, om- of commission, not of omission, which is what we've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years, right? So I, I think he's a very... Tricky thing. Um, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I would not code that that far on Guzman. It, right now, it makes everybody feel real good, but you're not going to feel so good if he if he's sh- showing you his best and he's 31 years old. Yeah. So good, again, yeah, every pitcher's a risk, obviously. I, I'm. This is. I don't know if it's breaking news, but uh, just see that Andy Martino just tweeted that Mets are still in on, on Scherzer. So I, yep. I think. Uh, I think Cohen's Money talks. Have, if, if he wants, I mean, it's a forty million dollar investment. Maybe yeah. you could get away with a two year deal. I think that. See, to me, and and once you get Scherzer, I think Gosman's out. Maybe they think, look, Gosman, you're right. If you want the West Coast, he knows he's not going to sit around and wait. And then you do Scherzer and Gray. I'm not going to complain. I'd be a little disappointed if it prevented them from getting another bat. And maybe they could still. Maybe if it's not Javi Baez, somebody else. You know, look, there's a DH coming. Right. Uh, Scherzer to me out of all the guys, because it's only about money. If there's no hurt in the Mets' ability to build a team three, four, five years from now, I don't care if Kevin Gosman's overpaid. I don't care. I really don't. I mean, and neither should I don't think anybody else. But I think in the near term, if you invest all this money into Scherzer, like a Trevor Bauer type contract that they offered, three years, 105, 
you're betting on his health. You're betting on him coming here and being at least what he was last year. You're not getting the Scherzer from 2015. You're not getting that guy. The guy had shoulder issues. That would scare the, the, the hell out of me. Now you got your two best pitchers that you need for October who may not be available in October. Well, they, they, you can't have that. The whole point is not in July. It's, you know, a seven game winning streak in July. So it scares me. I think that the, this is where I go back to my point earlier, guys. And Jeff, I think you have a comment. This is the kind of owner you have now. He doesn't want the second best thing, even though the second best thing in Gosman might be the best thing overall. If you had right. something to say, Scherzer and Gosman would be, you know, top of rotation right behind uh, Degrom. But you know, they also got Philip back the five, six, seven holes. So you know, why wouldn't they just take a flyer and and go go low and? Pick up guys like Mike Fultonovich or Danny Duffy or Bill Bundy. Just get minor league deals. You could probably maybe... still do that. I that's think you could still do that after, after, yep. after the lockout. I think mm-hmm. after the lockout, okay. you could still do that. I think I think that's important. I think that's where their money could play out because they still have the budget if they hit all their incentives and whatnot. Uh, Leanne brought up a point, you know, kind of tied into maybe, you know, a little bit clunky because we should have talked about it before the pitching, but uh, I was getting a little excited over the Thanksgiving holiday, looking at the videos about uh, Seiya Suzuki. And, you know, you brought up Liam. He's, he's gone. He's not, I don't think the Mets are going to bid on him. I think it was too much of a risk, especially mm-hmm. with the, other than Hideki Matsui, right. there hasn't been a great, you know, Otani is a league of his own. Yeah. Hideki Matsui was kind of like the poster child of really good offensive player in MLB. And even he had that, you know, he was a 50 home run guy in Japan. He came here. He was a very this guy's not that. He's not that. No, this guy. You don't I like you. You aren't into you know, Suzuki. He's fascinating. I didn't like him at first, but when I looked at him, I did. He's got a big swing, but he's hits 315 with a 424 on base, and his strikeouts to walks are almost even. He's got a couple. I think it was 530 to 480 or something yeah. like that. Um, impressive because he makes contact. I think what happens is. When you watch his highlights, all you see is the home runs. You don't see his right field approach, which is what he's doing. He gets a big leg kick and that kind of um, – who's the guy we were picking on last year from uh, the Red Sox? Um, J.D. Davis. And got that right field power. He's not going to hit 30, 30 home runs in, in, in this league. He's not a stolen, stolen base guy either. He, he gets thrown out um, 41% of the time. Right. So you got uh, I mean, Seiya Suzuki is like a very patient power hitter. He does very well in Japan, and even then, that took him some build-up. He wasn't, like, on the scene amazing in Japan. He had injuries and stuff, and he's great in Japan. We don't know if he'll translate. I mean, it'd be a shame for him to be wasted in the Rangers. But also, there was a player last year, and I think we should have signed him. I I spoke to you about this as well, uh, Mike. Like during the Olympics, we saw what the, we saw what the Japanese could do against you know up and coming former American players sort of thing, and I feel like if he was to be posted again, we should sign Tomiyuki Sagano, who is like just this. There's there's so much talent in Japan that I, I don't know if it's because I'm still a new Mets fan that we haven't really touched. Well, think here's one thing I'd caution you about Japan. First off, uh, there is a translation to their numbers here. You know, different ball, but mm, culturally better, but better work ethic in some cases, Much more better. fundamental baseball. But here's where I think it's hard for anybody coming in, uh, and not because of Kaz Matsui and because the Mets had so many Japanese busts over there. You know, while the Yankees had, you know, Matsui, the Mets had their version of Matsui. Mm-hmm. You're asking well, them to come to another country to learn the food, the culture, the language, interpreter, the media. 
you're asking a lot. And I, if I'm a Japanese player, other than New York and other than the prestige of being in a big city where culturally I could fit in better maybe than Kansas City, I think there's a lot of expectations and pressure. And these guys are not like the American player that could go, I'll go spend my money. Uh-huh. I don't care what you think. They're very prideful. They take their job. The Japanese culture, anybody who knows one eye over the Japanese culture, they they will take this to heart. And this will be a miserable experience. Now, $10 million a year for four years, not the end of the world budgetary-wise for this owner, but not a good existence for the guy. So I wonder if that played into it a little bit. That was my my thoughts on that. While we have that, as we kind of round it out here, a couple of things. How do you guys feel about the possibility that, and I know he's out uh, with a back injury in the Winter League, Robbie Cano is the DH. I thought he could still hit. He showed he could still hit during the pandemic season. Maybe he's not Robbie Cano vintage, but you got, you're on the hook for him. You okay with Robbie Cano coming back? You guys have a big issue. If Robbie Cano hits 280 with 10 home runs, 40 RBIs, I think he could provide some stability leadership wise with the Latino contingent and Lindor. You guys okay with that? Or you feel, you know, him being on the team is a something that you can't swallow. I'll, I'll take that if you don't mind. It, it, sure. it depends. Let's see how it goes to spring training. I mean, if he doesn't do well, you know, Cohen has the dollars to cut him. I mean, I wasn't thrilled when he first got him, obviously. But, you know, if, if he can still prove that he can still hit and with the DH, okay. But if he can't, you know, we have the, we have the budgetary means just to let him go. You're, you're, Anthony, you don't have an issue with the steroids. It doesn't drive you crazy. You're not going to have a hard time. You know, if he's playing well and the Mets are winning, is that going to bother you? No, I mean we want to win, right? I mean, <laughs> we, uh, yes. we morality and wins win. don't always guys <laughs> say morality. I mean, means if you want very rarely, guys, then, very rarely, do they if you could find that. Let me know what team that is because yeah. I'd like to sign up for that. One. They couldn't sure. score any runs last year. I mean, if this guy's going to provide you with run scoring uh, and get some big hits, you know. But, if he does it again, he's what he's done for his career, right? If he if he gets caught again, yeah. Well, I think if he over. does it again, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. done. I think he's I done for, for life for life. Um, uh, yeah, he, he. I feel like you can't get rid of him, right? The the, the price tag well, is can. too high. I mean, you can get rid of him, but like, do you want to still pay him and then see I, him see him get picked up from for another team? Yeah, for I mean, if you dump him. Yeah. I, I think you make a point here, and that is the guys that come along and they follow the rules, they do that thing, they get a little more leeway, right? The guys that have broken the rules, got that kind of thing, if he does, if he comes back, he's not hitting, you can cut him. You, you yeah. show everybody how right. Cutting guys is just as much a, a lesson as signing them. Don't ever forget that. And that's a great point. And guess what, guys? Here's a nightmare scenario. All because the media pressures you to get rid of Robinson Cano, you cut him. He goes and signs for the league minimum in the Bronx. And then they're like, oh, what a great signing by Blake. There'll be a love fest and you'll sit all summer going, why don't we already gave him our next manager? Don't sucker punch. That's a good point. He might be their next manager. Don't get sucker punch on that. All right. I want to get to this. He signs with the an NLE's team, and then he helps them to win a division, and it's like, oh, you'll never hear the end of go. Yeah, but you can never worry about that. Morals will go out the window. Think like that when they make these moves. You you don't think like that. You have to look. They had Luis Castillo and Oliver Perez came to spring training. If you could have those guys come to spring training, so can you have this? You want to release them and eat the money? Yep. Figure something out, buy out, whatever it may be. There's ways. Look, you got the owner that does it. Okay, a little less important. Crazy the world we live in. We've talked about players. Look, and I'll, I'll just throw this in before I get to my, my, my last round over here. 
Max Scherzer is going to get more than $40 million, it sounds like. That's crazy. Yes. He might get $50 million. You got to pass okay. on that. That's what I'm reading on the, the Martino tweet. Manager of the Mets. I used to be big on managers. I used to think it's so important. I don't know where to go anymore. Inexperienced. And I thought Louis Ross was a good fit. Um, you know, it didn't work out. You know, timing probably as much as anything. You've got Buck Showalter's names out there. Brad Osmus, a newcomer like uh, Joe Espada. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you and we'll go around. What do you want to see? Because... I'm at a loss. I don't know what to think. Does it matter anymore? You know, that's a good point. Does it matter? I, I don't. I, I was, you know, sorry to see Rojas go, but I, I think he wasn't given a fair shot, and he was down by the by the script uh, that they provided him. Yep. I think you need someone with experience. The last couple of managers that we had, uh, you know, if you count Beltran, it was Callaway, first timer. You know, Rojas. I like to see someone with some experience, but I can also see them uh, signing uh, Joe Espada. I, I'll throw a couple out there. Uh, another first time would be Joe McEwing, but I think Walt Weiss would be a good fit. I, I you know, just him being in the Atlanta dugout, learning from uh, Snick has experience. I think uh, Walt Weiss would be, be the guy, but you know, they're going to hire someone who's going to be very analytical and <clears throat> script, which is you know, yeah. they need someone with gut. With, you know, gut feeling. I think Walt White. You need the fans need someone. The funny part is, it's almost like there's part salesman. You need someone that because every night they're going to be on the Zoom now, yep. Right. Yep. selling people. Liam, your thoughts? So I I don't know if I'm just missing this, but I don't really hear people mentioning Mike Schilt, who managed That's to turn point. the Cardinals around in what was it, a 17 game win streak. Also no one's mentioned. No one's mentioned, you know, a manager that led a, a down-and-out team to a 17-win streak. You know, they were matched up against the Dodgers, fair enough, you know. Um, I, I feel like he's not been mentioned at all, and I don't get why. It's well, think about it. He's, he's one know. ninth inning, good ninth inning away yep. from maybe being, you know, it's totally different. Think yeah. about it. Yeah, and by yeah, the yeah. way, Anthony just tweeted, looks like, you know, not yeah, necessarily breaking news, but Lauren Scherzer is probably going to make – the, the one thing I'll say, I know I interrupted, I apologize. This whole no, deadline, which is only a one-year thing, makes it like the NBA. It makes it a lot of fun. I know you're asking people to make life decisions uh, in a short period of span of time, but maybe the league needs that to move forward. But uh, yeah. Anthony, while I have you, you know, Liam brought up Mike Schilt. You've heard names. I'm at a loss of where to go. We're worried about Max Scherzer right now, but the manager still is something important. Yeah. Do you, where you would like to see them go? Well, I've heard that with like Epler being in, you know, his his play has always been either, you know, the Buck Showalter or, you know, even Brad Ausmus. I've always, and I've said it from the beginning, kind of wanted, if I was going to go with more of a veterans person, I would go with John Gibbons. Or if I was to go uh, with someone new, why not Joe McEwen? He's got Met ties. Um, you know, he plays the game hard. I mean, he always played the game hard. He's got experience being in Chicago now with Tony LaRussa. If you're going to give someone new a chance, I would go Joe McEwing over, you know, say they want to do this Beltran thing again, which I don't think is going to happen at all. No, that would be controversial. Uh, Richard. Uh, I agree with Anthony um, that I want, I want to see, a, I want to see a, a, an old hand right now. You know what? I want to eliminate what we can eliminate, right? The, the things that we can eliminate the most of what, what the organization can do to put the players in the right place. Give, give a buck a spot. It's not as important maybe as we used to make it out to be. It's still important to lead. Give him a leader, a guy who knows what he's doing, 
Um, uh, Bochi, is he retired now? Maybe I, I don't know. He's won three. World yeah. Three. I mean, he, I think Bochi, he was going to do some Olymp uh, world cup stuff. Um, bring in a pro, bring in somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing. You, you want to win a world series. You are pushing this thing probably too far, just like George. So you might as well get the best and do it the best way. Eliminate as much as you can on the, on what you can't control. This is a fun way to end this. And this, I think this has been fun, guys. I got to tell you, it went better than I expected. You all brought some really good. Liam, you had something to say on that? Can I add a very quick point? I want to know what you sure. guys have thought. Because I've thought about this. So, Mike, remember when you're talking about hitting coaches, right? And Chili Davis played, you know, but before I remember. He, he's an ex-player, you know, and then there's the analytics coming in with uh, the, 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 the hitting coaches they brought up from the minor leagues. I was th- I've been thinking since that whole sort of debacle. What about Todd Fraser? He's he's now playing indie ball. He helped in the you know the Olympics. What about Todd Fraser for a hitting coach? I know he helped Pete Alonso. They traded for him in in, in twenty twenty to help get Pete right. Pete was using his. You know bat. it's crazy, but I thought Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil responded well to his energy. Yeah, I, I always take the pitching coach more importantly than the hitting coach. I think the hitting coach is a therapist, for yeah. lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Listen, Liam, you got the most out of the box idea. Maybe someone, you know, Anthony, I don't know if you were at the QBC, go call Flavor Flav and get him on the phone. And, and maybe we could see we got him hooked up with uh, the new, you know, Mets regime over there and, and what have you. Um, so I'm going to go around. Here's how we're going to wrap it up. I saw this on Twitter as we were on the air. And I thought this was a fun yet serious question that could enter debate. Uh, this guy, I don't know who he is, Mets fan from the beginning, a Twitter account put out there. A magic match genie grants you one and only one wish past or present. And here are your choices. I'm going to start with you, Jeff. This is great. I'm going to give you my answer. Then I'm going to go to Jeff. <laughs> Undo the Seaver trade. Undo the Nolan Ryan trade. The Mets sign Max Scherzer or Marcus Stroman unblocks you. Now being blocked by Marcus Stroman, I could care less. So I'm going to throw Sad that out. I'm not exactly, you know, in the Scherzer camp. So it's down to two, both of which I was not alive for. Well, I was... I, when Seaver was traded, I was, I was a baby. I was uh, five months old. So I was alive for Seaver, but I didn't know who Seaver was. I will say this. The Ryan trade, you undo the Ryan trade. Ryan goes in the rotation. Mets probably win at one, maybe more than one championship. They probably win in 73. And Seaver never happens. So that's how I would go. Jeff, I'll go with you, and then you guys go around, and we'll wrap it up. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you, Michael. Oh, yeah, no. I, I look, I love Nolan Ryan, but I don't think he would have ever made it in New York. The problem with that trade was who they got. They didn't get the right, right personnel back. They got Jim Fergosi, you know, a has been. Uh, if you look at my Twitter, it's Jeff Cohen 41. So I would definitely. I figured that's your answer. Liam, I was, I was 15 years old when I was 15 years old when that trade happened. So I am very means a lot to me. There you go. Liam, well, how would you go? And be honest, doesn't matter. We're not going to criticize you for being, you know, somewhat of a more, you know, newer fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not on Twitter, so I can't be unblocked by Marcus Stroman. So my wish wasted. <laughs> yes. But at, at the same time. Smart you know, guy. I, stay off of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. not, yeah. It's good for your health. It's good for your mental oh, health, for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like undoing the Seaver trade, it's, it's similar to probably... I, I don't know if you feel this way, Jeff, but I feel like it's similar to how I feel about DeGrom. Like, that's your ace. You don't want to see him go anywhere else. Like, can you imagine Seaver's baseball card? Yeah. Can you imagine Seaver's baseball card if it's all Mets? Like, yep. DeGr- if DeGrom goes anywhere else, you know, his Hall of Fame plaque, going to be in a Mets cap. It's fine. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Seaver's was as well. A lot of what ifs. Say, Mike, he doesn't even know. Ifs. He doesn't know about the trade because he's, he's so late. So June 15th, 1977, Jeff, I was 12, 
and I cried the whole afternoon. Yeah, yeah I, I would cry if something happened Guys, there's no cable TV at that time. There's radio, you have the radio in three stations. Tom yeah. Seaver was to us, he was Mickey Mantle to the generation before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Seaver was the biggest. Go watch YouTube. Go watch Tom Seaver pitch. It is it's not like anything you've ever seen. I, I mean, I, seriously. I, 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 I was speaking to my friend, the Cubs fan, her, her name is Ginger, and I was speaking to her before the Mets made this signing. Like, Thor goes to LA, uh, Luke signs in LA, and I was speaking to her, like, I, I'd got up for work, and I'm like, look, I am staring down the black hole of free agency. I was like, I have never been as despondent as a Mets fan, like, zero energy, terrified for this podcast, because what's going to mm-hmm. happen? And then the trades happen, and I'm like, look, I... And I said to her, like, before these trades, I'm like, if we don't get someone soon, or if Ellie takes Harvey from us, or whatever, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, <laughs> all I need is, like, DeGrom to be healthy. And to think of a player in that regard, like I have, like, his little Funko Pop and all that He's sort of right stuff. There. Like I, yeah, I have, you know, uh, something from his 2019. I, I will say, you know, and I, I, I'm hard on pitchers. DeGrom is, especially what you saw until July, I don't yeah. think I saw a pitcher, you know, I didn't see Ryan in his, in that his was... in prime. I mean, obviously I saw Randy Johnson. Um, I'm trying to Pedro. think of other pitchers. Pedro you know, was, was a lot. Pedro, I, obviously yeah. Pedro. Yeah. It's pretty much as, as automatic. Anthony, he... we'll wrap it up with you. I'm the only one who said Ryan because I've looked at the, the, the how the butterfly effect. Because you're too young. This we're too young. That's why I understand. I looked young. at it more. See, I looked at it more analytically. I looked yeah. at it more analytically as the butterfly effect. That you know, destroyed that. the franchise until 1983. I, I, I completely get that. Destroyed. Anthony, yep. where would you go? And maybe I'll throw a little uh, curveball, to Anthony. Take away the Stroman unblock unless you really want to do that one. I don't <laughs> think you're blocked by Stroman. I am. What if and I you get said, a World Series? I'll, I'll throw a monkey wrench in or a little curveball for you. Curveball in baseball. Instead of Stroman unblocking you, A-Rod signing after 2000. Which one of those would you mm. want to Ooh. Ooh, now exactly. I gave you something. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. I mean, I guess knowing what A-Rod becomes, I think we kind of, you know, we're better off not having it. He might own the team right now if he also played for the Mets. So uh, that's a great point. But that's a great point. Did it, and that did would have been a wild and wild. Could you imagine... They buy the team. They get divorced. The cash flow goes out the window. They got like the Secaucus seven, like the Nets used to have. I'm dating myself on that. Richard, yeah. I remember that when the Nets had seven owners out there in New Jersey yeah. at one point. That's interesting. You know, I could have made this all sorts of different what ifs. David Wright not getting hurt. Ah, D- here's didn't a Hodges want, a didn't Hodges want to trade Nolan Ryan? He was tired of waiting for Ryan. I don't know if it was Hodges or it was Whitey Herzog. Richard, you might I might have to defer to Jeff and Richard. So I know that, that you don't Whitey know Herzog they, leaving the team, I remember being told. That may be yeah. a bigger problem. Was probably a bigger issue. That, for them reading the Bill was, Madden book, uh, well, guys, losing also, Whitey Herzog was a big issue. It was Seaver had an issue with Whitey, right? The, the no, with Dick, Dick Young, the, the writer, Dick Young. Yeah. The guy we traded him for, Ken Boswell, was like a four-time All-Star the four previous years. He was a shortstop. And they Pergosi. were going to Pergosi. Uh, Pergosi, I'm sorry. Boswell Pergosi. Pergosi. And um, he just fell off the face of the earth. I think he was 31 years old. He fell off yeah. the face of the earth. Never played well again. But um, he was a good player coming in. That was looked like a good trade. They tried to make him a third baseman. And he broke his hand and he'd never been the same. Never I don't know, Mike. I kind of agree with your, you know, you know, the trickle down effect because the whole Butterfly issue effect. of um, trading Seaver was this 
thing of is Nolan Ryan getting more money and the whole wife thing that happened and then Dick Young put like it was that a big reason into why he you know got and traded? I'll tell you another controversial thing and I'm I'm leaving on a controversy because I want to look at your guys reaction on this the uh, Seaver trade made in 77 would be looked at today if it was made in 2021 as a good deal by the media you got yourself a young starting pitcher uh, you got Steve Henderson who was a, a, a and, and Dan Norman outfielders with speed and some pop yep. yeah doug flynn was a was filler it was very they good, saved good money they saved money and they got quantity the other options from what i hear was don sutton who would have given them next level down but he was a very good pitcher it's like a basic swap. it would have been right it would have been not applauded but looked that way differently and i think you'd all would agree on that i think we could at least agree on that, that. <laughs> guys this has been great i hope you enjoyed it Jeff, thank you. Give a little uh, shout out one more time. Uh, barbecue, baseball, and BBQ. Yeah, Give baseball the- and BBQ podcast. We can be found on Twitter at baseball and BBQ, and we're on the web at www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Me and Len Aberman put on a basically every other week. We've been going weekly now because we had a lot of content, but we're going to go back to every other week. And it's really, if you like both both subjects, you're going to like to show a lot of history, a lot of baseball talk, a lot of barbecue talk. Come on, Len, take a listen. Anthony, who's got the best radio voice out of all of us, he puts <laughs> he me does, to shame. Give a little, give a little, give a little shout out there to what you got going on, Anthony. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Subway to Shay and on Instagram at Subway to Shay. Uh, my podcast you can find on you know Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, you know Spotify, all all the you know podcasting networks that are out there, and you can uh, find my stories on Rising Apple. I think the last couple I did, I did one on uh, you know a, a memorial on Pedro Feliciano. And I did uh, a story on, um, you know, if the Mets really, you know, overspent on Francisco Lindor and how that affects, you know, us moving forward. Liam, you better go shovel now. I, be- I see you get your shovel out. Uh, I, wanted- I want you on behalf of the Talking Mets podcast. Thank everybody in the UK. It's our cousins. Maybe we kicked you out of the country many, many years ago. We still love you. All right. You know, yeah. we just wanted our space, right? We just yeah, wanted yeah, our space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Thank you, Liam, for being a loyal listener and 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 continue to spread the good word out there and, and have a great uh you know rest of the week. And thank you so much, Liam. All righty. Yeah, yeah. And Richard, you. you know, you're you're a good friend of the show. You defend me on Twitter. Medellin, 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 Medellin. Well, if things continue to go the way they go, I might have to run to Medellin because they're going to run you me know, out of New York and the Talking Heads podcast at some point. So you can we come are, here, we are not woke. We I, are not I can woke. come we there. Too. <laughs> no, no, no. We, and we're ready. We're ready to go. Uh, we don't. You like guys are great. Guys, the thank best. you, guys. So enjoy, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Be well, everybody. Take care. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with those guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought we had some spirited discussion. It was respectful. It was, I thought, educating, getting different people from different backgrounds and, and Mets fandom and different countries. I mean, with a, a newer Mets fan and Liam Oliver. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll try it again. And uh, love to hear the feedback. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Of course, no G. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Check out our friends. Over at the fan-sided podcasting network, risingapple.com, like our friend Anthony Rivera over there. They do great work. And you can get me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Hope you enjoyed a double dose of Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday. Until next time, be well, everybody. Be the Mets. 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 Be
you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.